0: And so I could see where a lot of people are just like, well, I don't even like this picture. It's not art that I, I, it speaks to me, but the art itself is actually, it gives you access to an exclusive club. And that club is one that everyone wants to be in because you have people who are rich, people who are famous, people who are noteworthy within those communities who do things like have yacht parties, who invite you to their mansion if you have a board Ape yacht to come over and drink. And it's one of those things where as the community forms around it, they're the ones who are creating the value potential for those who are outside of the community to want to join it.
1: Welcome to Specific Knowledge. I'm your host, Devin Marty. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring how people coordinate and build in a dynamic world where knowledge is distributed and ephemeral. With a focus on creative destruction and the role of blockchain as a decentralizing technology, we discuss new ways to reimagine and reshape the current social order. I'm joined by my two friends, Lucas and Ryan, who are experts in their field. Today's topic, is on NFTs and the metaverse. And we're joined by a special guest. We hope you enjoy episode 13 of Specific Knowledge. All right, guys, welcome. Episode 13, NFTs and the metaverse. Ooh, spooky. And uh, this week we have a special guest with us, Jacob Garcia, who is an avid NFT collector and enthusiast knows a whole bunch about the space and we're excited to have you here because this is uh, this is not our strongest area of, uh, of expertise. We're all passionate about it but we're um, we're excited to have you here because we know you know a whole lot about
0: it. I'm excited to be on. Thank you.
1: Yeah and uh, we got Ryan and uh, Lucas is uh, a bit on the road so pardon any uh, cutting in and out
2: but um, Ryan Lucas, how are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's a rainy day. So if you hear any thunder and lightning (laughs) through my mic, that's what's going on there. But yeah, it's a nice day. Uh, We're just hanging out at the house and hanging out with my little girl, playing with her. And then I'm happy to be here chatting with you guys. Awesome. I'm
3: I'm 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 doing well, brother. It's always fun to hang out with you guys. I pardon any audio problems. I am traveling, but it's a pleasure to be able to listen to Jacob talk about NFTs. I know we sure... Love having his expertise and his research and insights uh, as a member of our team over there with Wise Beyond Bitcoin. So uh, I'm really looking forward to sit back and listening to a lot of the value that he has to bring to the conversation.
1: Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Well, let's get started. Uh, Jacob, before we do start, NFTs and the metaverse, if you're a new listener or even, even an active listener, and I don't know if we... We do talk about NFTs a lot, but I don't think we'd ever mention the, the metaverse. But if you'd want to go, Jacob, if you could describe or define NFTs and the metaverse uh, in two separate goes, um, I think that would be very valuable.
0: Yeah. So um, I think as far as NFTs, I'd like for people to come in thinking about it like in a liquid asset class. So almost like a home where you're speculating on the future value of your home based off of the neighborhood. And in the same way you're speculating on the future value of your NFT based off of the communities built around that series. Oh, I think
1: that that's a really good example. Yeah. an NFT you have a, obviously a community is, is probably the biggest part except for maybe the artwork and with a house. Yeah. You have the architecture, which if you like the architecture uh, you know, that might be why you buy it. It might be because you buy it because of the neighborhood and the community that's around it. Uh, and those two things definitely contribute to the value. Uh, location, 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 for sure. Very, Yeah, that was, that's, I think, a very helpful example. And NFTs obviously stands for non-fungible tokens. A house is a non-fungible asset, right? Well, for the most part, there's not going to be... You can't duplicate it over and over. Sure, they're like cookie-cutter houses, but it's still your house. It's your memories. Your It, it becomes, you know non-fungible and non-copyable. So I think that's a fantastic example. Thank you. Thank you, Jacob. And metaverse, What what is this? Sounds like something from sci-fi.
0: So the metaverse is really interesting because it's kind of like this digital universe within our own. And as things get fleshed out, I don't know uh, how many people have seen like Ready Player One, but uh, essentially that's the metaverse is this augmented digital reality within our own that we could live in if that makes sense through games and just media and content
1: yeah and i think we'll we'll explore it in a bit but i think that's a good yeah again if you've seen ready player one maybe even kind of some other movies i think maybe the the matrix is not quite the metaverse but there's still kind of a semblance of the world that they lived in, or I believe the Matrix was, would be the metaverse, and but outside they would actually have control of what was going on in there. Maybe that's a convoluted uh, example, but Ready Player One, if you've seen that for sure, that is probably the best example. Uh, people living out their real worlds with video game economies or virtual economies, I should say. And, and I'm excited to talk about that because we have, I think, a lot to say in regard to that. But the first thing this is probably the question that we need to get out of the way. Why does an NFT have any value? I know we've touched on the community is is an aspect. The the artwork is an aspect, but okay, why am I paying? Why are some people paying millions of dollars for a clip art rock or a weird pixelated profile picture guy? You know what I mean? What what, what is the value? Can you explain that?
0: Yeah. So like, I'm going to use an NFT series as an example of how they create value. And so the Bored Ape Yacht Clubs are one of the, the bigger series, and they're basically just pictures of apes. And so I could see where a lot of people are just like, well, I don't even like this picture. It's not art that I, I it speaks to me. But the art itself is actually, it, it gives you access to an exclusive club. And that club, is one that everyone wants to be in because you have people who are rich, people who are famous, people who are noteworthy within those communities who do things like have yacht parties, who invite you to their mansion if you have a board ape yacht to come over and drink. And it's one of those things where as the community forms around it, they're the ones who are creating the value potential for those who are outside of the community to want to join it. So it's like a pretty sweet book club, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like (laughs) a pretty sweet book club or... Yeah. You've all got
1: something in common. You're all putting a little bit of work in. And um, I see that there's obviously a a clout or uh, you're you're trying to maybe show off a little, but there's also the aspect of, hey, I really enjoy talking with these people or networking. I mean, that's why... In my opinion, people go to prestigious universities. You can get the similar education at other places, but if you want the Harvard H, you know, you got to pay pay for it because then you're in that network. So I think it's really no different than that. But Ryan, I'm sure you can uh, touch on the economics side of things. What's the why pay for something non tangible?
2: Yeah, that's well. That was what I was initially thinking about. Is that one of the criticisms you hear so often? and I hear it with my friend Circle, too. I, I think Jacob, we were talking with Jacob about his experience, which triggered this thought. But it's something that I've experienced as well. And it's this argument that, well, why why do NFTs, why do they have any value at all? It's just this thing that can be duplicated. And it's, you know, it's not one of the more prominent critiques is that it's not tangible. It's not a physical thing. And I, I guess that's, I mean, I don't want to get too into, into the weeds on that. But there's a lot of things that we value that aren't, aren't physically uh, you know, tangible, like ser- human services, labor, you know, just people doing all kinds of uh, services for each other that can't be captured in a product, a physical product there, whether it's a massage or accounting services or dentistry work, or, um, you know, you've tutoring, you fill in the blank. There's a lot of things we do for each other that don't exist in a physical sense that they, uh, they still have value. And so I think that's an easy one to dispel is that only fa- physical things are valuable. So obviously we know that's not true. So then, the next question is, um, well, why would we buy something that's that's so easily fungible, right? So, like, you could you could literally take a screenshot of of an NFT and and have that art on your computer, and then say, oh, look, I have I have I didn't have to pay for it; I got it for free. But I think, and I think the problem with that argument is that it's surface level because it doesn't answer the the insight that you bring up, Jacob, is that that there's benefit to actually have to being a, a legal an actual owner of this asset. You get you have entry into whether it's a party, you know, maybe it'll be available for airdrops that are, that are coming down. Um, perhaps there's um, if it's a gaming, if there's a gaming, gaming platform involved, perhaps there's in-game uh, tools or skins or weapons or or unlockable features and characteristics that that, that this NFT allows you to have access to. So it's, it's all about the, it's all about those network effects, right. And the, and the benefits that, that come about from being a part of that community, whether it's gaming or whether we're looking at uh, the audio side of it with the audio uh, chain in there and the NFTs and with the way music is being uh, royalties are being, you know, onboarded onto the digital blockchain. So I feel like that's kind of what you should, we should focus on is it's the, the services and the benefits that, that come a part of being a member of this and having an FD rather than itself. Like why is it valuable itself? Looking at it itself for the value misses the the proposition. And and I think that's, that kind of is easy to see if you're familiar with the subjective theory of value and you don't try to look at a value as a function of some kind of intrinsic property inherent in something, but rather you see it as a function of how we perceive things. It's subjective, right? So I perceive This to have certain benefits, and I value those benefits, so I value that thing, right? And so, if you're familiar with subjective that value in economics, then this whole NFT question of why it's valuable is a lot lot easier to understand. But if you're not familiar with that, and you have an intrinsic value story in your mind, which is kind of like the default thinking,
1: then it can be confusing. I I was
0: yeah, absolutely right.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure that's. um, I know Jacob, you you've had that let's say discussion uh, with your friends and family before Uh, I'd imagine if you're this as deep into the space as you are, um, how do you justify that? How do you, and I think what Ryan touched on and what you touched on before make a lot of sense. It's, it's the network. It's the, obviously you don't think about it intrinsically, right? Which, which we're kind of again, like programmed to do for some reason. Uh, But there's a lot of value in these sure JPEGs, right? But it's again, it's not just a JPEG, it's built on top of a blockchain consensus mechanism that allows us all to see who owns what, at what time, in real time, right? And that's extremely valuable. And you can prove membership. Of course, there's much more to NFTs. That's that's really just the hot NFTs at the moment are these community-driven whatever, but you know, NFTs can be great for artists, getting royalties back. These apes or, you know, rocks or whatever, if, if there's value to them and people are buying them at Sotheby's at auction, there should be royalties going back to that person or that person's family because that's their IP. That's, you know. Uh, I
2: remember back, uh, no, not too long ago, back a few years ago, I was really into IP discussions and reading books about the case for and against IP. And one of the libertarian arguments against IP that I recall was that the uh, the author could not imagine a contract that would that would exist between between parties like individuals not between the government and, and an individual but just a contract between two individuals they couldn't imagine how a contract would have would emerge that would that would actually assign ip rights to one of, to one of the parties right so the theory was is that since no bilateral contracts could could uh foster and the emergence of ip it has to be this thing the state creates and then there, the the logic was, according to libertarian theory, that it was therefore illegitimate because there's no private uh, foundation for it. But with NFTs and the and this ability to buy and sell royalties through a, a smart contract, it's decentralizing the uh, whole the whole foundation of IP, and it's an example of of what this libertarian theorist thought wouldn't be possible, which is a bilateral agreement that does have royalties and IP uh, embedded in it. But still, is not a state-based, top-down thing. It's it's a it's a bottom-up agreement amongst just individuals. So I feel like I didn't want to derail your thought, but I feel like this is a this technology is showing that the potential for this thing to exist in a in a way that it couldn't before and was impossible before, mm-hmm. and that's and that that's actually innovative. It's an example of the innovation of of an, of, these, of this whole kind of contract.
1: Yeah. And, and jumping from that uh, and kind of expanding it and taking it to a macro level, there are whole economies now. It's not just individual art project, individual art project with their communities that interacts you know, in their own microcosm. There are overlaps between these, these economies, these ecosystems, and they, they form a greater economy that is mostly seen in video games, right? Or, or what we call the metaverse. So it's, it goes beyond and most people will call it a video game for a while, but it's not really, not like it's built by someone, right. Or it's built by a company and there's a mission and a campaign and a multiplayer, or whatever. It's just an open sandbox world that has actual world, you know, real world economies with these things that have real world value ascribed to them. Right. So I want to move into the conversation about video game economies and, and Jacob, I know, You you have some experience, but what would you say? Where are we now, and where are we going with the metaverse and with these uh, digital economies?
0: I'd like to touch on a few aspects of that, and the, the first thing I'd like to touch on is the this idea that with games, you now have the ability using NFTs to tie them to the value of your game. So. For example, there's there's people who played World of Warcraft for thousands and thousands and thousands of hours. And those people would value their time very highly. But it's not like they can ascribe monetary value to that time. What NFTs allows you to do is exactly that. So now, let's say the in-game items that you may get from a campaign are now Blockchain items that are verifiably provable. And you can now take that in their in game economy and you could sell it for crypto. And that crypto could then be sold for fiat. So now you have this system where you have a a real world digital economy in a video game.
1: I think, real quick, it's important to touch on how powerful video games without economies or with pseudo economies are are already. I think Fortnite is a great example. It came out in 2017 and already with their 350 million players or something like that, there's been a cumulative 10.4 million years played, which is like twice the amount of time humans have been on earth or something like that. So it's just like an absurd amount of time is put into these games. And Fortnite is one, sure, they have like the V-Buck component. You can buy skins and different things, but you can't move that from Fortnite to another game, right? It's not a real digital economy. Build that on blockchain where you can go from, like you said, World of Warcraft and take your sword there into Fortnite. Now that's, that's something where the value is, is maintained, right? In a, in a non-fungible way. And I think that only amplifies the amount of time people put into these games, right? Because they're cross-chain compatible, cross-chain, but you know they're they're compatible, right? And they can have some uh, continuity in in who they are as a person and who they are in their online identity.
0: Oh, absolutely! And I think the driving force for this large NFT movement is that sense of identity being tied to your NFTs. There are people. Who buy the art because it's a it's a profile picture for their Twitter. There are people who buy the video games uh, aspect of the NFTs because it's a, a character in a game that they play, or it's a, a item in the game for them, and they ascribe that to their sense of uh, self and personality. And you'll see the the communities, especially on like Twitter, where I feel like you could get the best NFT knowledge, if you're following the right people, you'll see these micro communities interacting with each other in ways that create a broader NFT culture.
2: One thing that comes to mind from what you were saying, Devin, is that this, this metaverse and the, this bridging or, or bringing into contact various game ecosystems so that you know uh, tools or 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 weapons or whatever can be brought up from one game to another. It kind of makes me think of the project going on in DeFi with the, you know, cross cross chains and bridging, inter, having interoperability between uh, protocols and blockchains, right? It's, so it's a, it's like a parallel, there's this parallel evolution occurring on uh, across the economy, the digital economy, right? B- trying to link together separate sandboxes as it were into some kind of common pool. And I think that's exciting because out of that, it shows that when you start looking at the what, what, what happens when you introduce augmented reality, or you and move beyond the idea of a game, and just and maybe think about what what happens when we start trying to consider living other elements of our lives in the in this in this new ecosystem, whether it's an identification or or how we handle titles and deeds and things like it, this. This opens the door to a, a world uh, that's no longer rooted in meat space but has, has this digital layer, right, that makes, and I believe it opens
1: the door to more to greater freedom. And we can, I don't want yeah. to jump ahead, but well, no, that's, that's kind of where my thoughts are headed. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, if you want to get into that, you know, how is the metaverse changing? And I know we've talked about like jurisdictional states and, and digital nations, but how does this, uh, how does the metaverse create a new layer to where people, well, like you said, turn, from their traditional, you know, government, uh, wh- whatever, turn from that to this new space, uh, you know, these, these digital economies where they can get titles and deeds and IDs in a virtual, in, in a different way, compared to what the, you know, the alternative, which is the government, right?
2: I guess the first thing to start off with is, is that what we are used to is, is territorial governments, right? That are limited by an in, in extent. Mm-hmm. Well, because land, land was the land. only, yeah, non-fungible. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that, yeah, that was the non-fungible uh, element, right? In the old world, the pre-digital world. So, um, but now we're, we're seeing that with the advent of the internet and you, you, in social media, you often hear people say we're more disconnected than ever, right? Because, you know, you'll see the the image, the meme of people sitting in the, in the train or the bus with the newspapers, or I'm sorry, they'll, they'll have nothing. And then now the common one is everybody's sitting plugged into their phones, not talking to each other. And so we're so disconnected and you know while there might be an omen of that there's like other memes that show people sitting in the same situations with their head in the newspaper right without cell phones so it wasn't like we were always you know so so social butterflies in every public situation but that's just maybe a little too far afield but that's kind of conjures up images of how our world is structured now with the government it's it's meat space it's face-to-face you know uh territorial jurisdictional constructions, right? Governments limited in, in, based on territory. And then there's a border and then the other government picks up on the other side. Well, I, I feel like the metaverse is making it possible. And so as, so is the internet and, and social media in general, it's making it possible to connect with people separate from the limitations imposed by geography. And you can say so people with shared interests can find each other in these, on these online com- homes and given the p- potential Of moving identity and titles to property and even like we've talked before even welfare benefits and uh, mutual aid and how we we could potentially move a lot of the public functions that we we turn to a, a geographical rooted entity for we could maybe start looking towards these digital entities which might very well be more reflective of our of our of our values and our morals and our and our preferences because of the fact that we're self-selecting the the, the group that we're joining right because there's the idea of a of a digital nation or a blockchain nation would be um, there'd be many many choices and you would essentially link up with the people whose values you shared and I feel like that's that's the that's the gain now of course we going to think dialectically and we don't want to just imagine. Slapping a digital society on top of, of, of something that didn't evolve to that because you can't just, you know, you can't just create utopia and say, oh, I don't like what, what exists and we'll just completely change things. And that'll be great. We know that, that that's a short sighted way to think of it. So it's all about finding the links between what exists now and what potentially might exist in the future and, and seeing an organic movement. But um, NFTs, certainly the technology has to be there. It has to be possible first. And then it has to be something that the culture accepts that it, it's an idea that it's time has come. And you know, that remains to be seen. We don't know what the culture will do, what ideas will be popular in the future. If we are going to move to some sort, of, sort of borderless blockchain nation, NF, something like an NFT and a, and a metaverse is an essential prerequisite because it, it'll make it's the technology that makes the concept a possibility. And then hopefully, based on you know, the ambassadors and, and, the, block, and the people like, um, like Devin who start podcasts, putting the good, putting the good news out, hopefully the culture will, will come around to that being something we should look at. And, and then we can see that the metaverse will become kind of like the, could, it could become the home, the, you know, the, 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 social, the social home, one element of it. Because of course people will continue, you know, interacting in real life and reality in, in meat space. But, but this other dimension, it could grow very fast. And become the, the way we interact at a government political level.
0: And I, I would also argue that we are seeing that adoption now throughout this space. I mean, we're starting to see adoption from people like Snoop Dogg, Terry Crews, people like Andy Milanakis. And now all of a sudden, they're in the NFT space with all these other people here. Gary V. I mean, there's so much adoption that's happening in right in the right now that I truly do believe that everything you're talking about, the prerequisites being built out are going to be established within our lifetime, whether or not we reach that point is to be determined, but the, the technology that will make it possible is being built out today. Yeah.
1: Hey, great, great discussion and great answers, guys. I don't know if Lucas is in in a place where he can chat about this, but Lucas, you did bring up earlier when we were having a discussion, just a little discussion before this, that this the whole thing that, you know, the big scope is that this is a new way for people to come together around the world, independent of government, independent of you know, well, sometimes independent of value, right? Independent of so many things that are tangible that are jurisdictional that are you know to to, uh, to a physical extent right this, this brings people together in ways that they don't have to be tied to their identity they don't have to be tied to their past they don't have to be tied to the debt they have or that what they owe the bank right this is almost like a fresh start for a lot of people and it does beg the question do people end up preferring this over reality i think it'll i think it's it's potentially
2: the case that they will because uh, you could see that the reality attached to the other system just continues to, to underperform, whether you're talking about healthcare or you're talking about um, the environment, or you're talking about the banking, the money, the debt, or you're talking about elections, even voting. I mean, there's just so much that le- that's left to be desired with, with the status quo and people are, there's a, there's just, I don't want to get too off into this because it's, it could be a tangent, but there's clearly a, uh, a meaning crisis going on in the world where people are feeling a little lost and not sure of well, like what gives their life meaning. Cause in the past we were tribal, we were, we were, or we were connected to uh, a, a clear hierarchy whether it was church or, or King or crown or we were that, or we've got our meaning from, you know, uh, the state, the nation the patriotism or, you know, military service or whatever. But it seems like in this, in this age, there's this lack, everything feel we're in an age of like, of postmodernism and a little bit of nihilism and it's like people are searching for meaning and they're very, they're not getting it from, from their, from what came, what exists and what's come before. And so, yeah, I feel like this new start and this, uh, this, this fresh clean start and this new ecosystem with new possibilities and new options and new and new ways to interact. It's, it's exciting. And it's exciting in a way that the status quo is not. And so it does have the potential potential, for at least a, some portion of the population as, as to be a, uh, an escape and a, and a, and a, a fun escape really. So, yeah, I do believe it could, like, you know, it could easily rival, you know, the meat space status quo world we're used to. I mean, the internet has already transformed it so much people already like living their lives on video games. And it's not even in a part of a metaverse We we already do that as a, a large extent anyway, in media, whether it's movies or or TV shows, or or video games, or whatever. We're all, a lot of people are looking for escapes. So scaling up that option for an escape and building a whole universe out of it that has all these cool bells and whistles and things you can do and live. Yeah, that, that'll be an attractive thing. And it'll continue to be an attractive thing as long as the status quo continues to perform so poorly.
0: I think you're absolutely right. And to add on to your point, I believe it's like a second renaissance. I, I really do believe that you're going to see this shift of of creative thought and it's going to center around the technology and and much in the same way that land was the original non-fungibility aspect of what we used to determine value especially like like for for a government to be able to function the NFTs will allow for so, so much more in this space. And especially so when we have a thriving metaverse, I I really do agree that it's going to be a a paradigm shift that's going to change the world. And it's part of the reason why I'm an enthusiast in this space is because I I really do believe that this shift is coming and you can see it with the, the amount of people who are coming into this space the new people who are coming into this space, the people who are trying to build value in the space, build new models, and all, all kinds of things from people who come from the economic side of things, from people who come from the gaming industry, from people who are in biotech. And it's like we have this wide range of just people from all cultures across the world who are taking part in this grander NFT ecosystem and it's creating a culture and you can really see it on Twitter through some of their memes in the same way. It feels like the early memes of the internet. You
2: know, I I like the fact that you brought up the biotech community because I do recall that that reminds me of a, of an early in one of our early episodes. We, when we talked about NFTs, one of the use cases we mentioned was that there was a, a community of people who were using the NFT technology to substitute for scientific journals and it was a way of attributing um and tracking citations for for original research and i guess it'd be a way of having a royalty on on, on something
1: well hey i'll take you one step further um i met a guy this weekend um raza khan if you're listening hey bud he's working in the pharmaceutical space uh more like the research side and what they do is One out of every 100 particles that they produce is usable in this medicine that's extremely valuable, right? And so you can go and invest. It's very expensive to produce all this stuff, so they need investors. So you can put $10,000 down per one molecule. There is a 1 in 100 chance that you're right. If you are right, you own that molecule, right? And if that molecule turns out to be the one that is the super valuable one, I think he said somewhere around $50 million per one of those particles, you don't get the whole thing. You get 90% of the cut. And then 10% of the cut goes back to cover everyone else's cost basis of the $10,000. So it's like a break-even for everyone else, if not a maybe 2x. And then that person has become fabulously wealthy uh, off of $10,000. But then also the study has been funded fully. The molecule exists now and it's how they're using yeah how they're using nft tech to produce well, let me yeah, let me ahead. expand on that because what you're saying is awesome because it's
2: another example of how this technology is overcoming a market failure if you're i don't know if you've ever looked into it too deep but one of the classic market failures was scientific research the, the claim was the market won't fund adequately the amount of scientific research that that would be desirable And it will be underfunded, and it was like a classic public good free rider thing. And but this model, this technology shows how you could crowdsource the funding and have the right incentives to where you won't have where you get you overcome that problem. It's so it's an example of a market failure being solved not through a a policy solution, but through some kind of an entrepreneurial process through technological innovation and entrepreneurship in markets. The, The actual process of markets and themselves have yielded the result, the, the solution to this, what we used to be considered an intractable problem. So I, it's just another example of how this technology is overcoming hurdles and yeah. and, and things that in the old world were considered to be mm-hmm. like an, an impossibility.
1: Yeah. And apply that to probably a whole lot more, right? This is, this is codable in, in pretty much a, any way you could imagine, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure we use it right now for, communities centered around jpegs but you know it does go a whole lot farther and it's already it's already there right we're already hearing stories like this we're uh, you know then there's the metaverse aspect so there's social aspects there's scientific aspects there's obviously economic aspects that it covers you know the full width of what we experience as life right and and it it takes that to another level
0: i i think Another another level to speak on that too is just philanthropy. The NFT community is so, so big on philanthropy. I can't tell you how many NFT communities I've been in that have some type of fundraiser for a charity or some kind of auction for a charity where either a percentage of the proceeds or all of the proceeds are actually going towards a cause that these people believe in and a great example would be like um, the Da Vinci platform is an NFT platform on the Harmony Network. When I first got involved with that, it was actually at the time that they were doing a charity auction where they were auctioning off the art and a large percentage of the the proceeds went to a charity. And so people were bidding it up because not only did they want to see more money go to the charity, but they also wanted to see the art valued at a higher price and it became this thing where something's more and more valuable now because it's a, you have incentive to add value to it and i just kind of feel blessed that i won
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you create so many of these win-win opportunities it's a win for the artists it's a win for the community it's a win for the charity it's a win for the platform right everyone wins in that situation w- where else would you find something where that's the uh, you know that's the outcome uh, I'm sure there are a few, but this is happening. I'm sure that was the art was uh, well. I don't know how long the art took to make. I'm sure the art's fantastic, and you're empowering that artist. But beyond that, to code that and to get that launched, I'm sure it sold out in 48 hours. I, I'm sure, like, and you could boom, do it again and do it again, picking different charities, getting different artists to collaborate. It's so reusable. This this um, platform and this, mold. this protocol. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly, and yeah, you can just copy and paste the protocol. It's when someone does it, it's open source. No one cares, right? So there's a lot to it, and I've actually heard from a friend uh, who does work advising in the space that, you know, he thinks the charity NFTs are are really the next big thing, that's that will come out of this tech. It's the next wave of what's going to be cool, what's going to be hot. Oh yeah, this this. NFT launch uh, raised eight million dollars for you know the Red Cross. Like that, that's what you're going to be hearing in the next few months. Is what he thinks, and I, I think you're you're seeing a lot of that happen right now uh, with with what you just said, Jacob. Like you're seeing you're seeing the beginnings of it. The communities are also really engaged and empowered right now to bring value back to the community, not to the founders, not to the creators obviously the artists, right? But uh, And they get residual revenue from trades that are made. But the big thing is bringing value back to the community, not monetarily necessarily, but putting together parties. Like, yes, like you said, in, come on my yacht, come to this hotel, let's have this event in LA. Also, at the same time, maybe find a way to contribute to other people in other NFT communities or other art communities uh, as a whole. It's a It's a really neat space that people <laughs> definitely who who don't know what they're talking about. Well, they don't give it any credit, right? Because they don't know about it. But they, uh, this is something that should be more well-known rather than a rock picture sold for a million dollars. And why, why is this so crazy? Well, let's talk about it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's really, really cool and very ethical, very helpful. And just all around, you know, dare I say it, making the world a better place. You know what I mean? Yeah. What comes to mind from...
2: From my thinking is that this is a technology that allows us to solve collective action problems or coordination problems that used to be considered to be unsolvable without without the government coming down top down using force or, or using using the law to compel, right? So it's it's um it's great. It's it's a so definitely a step forward in, in human social organization. And it can be it'll manifest and change in so many different ways. And I think the charity thing, like you're like you're saying, Devin, that's great. I uh, look forward to that, and i I feel I feel like there's a great mutual aid um, p- potential with this technology that that potentially could be fleshed out going forward too. The idea that um, that you can you could buy essentially a an insurance contract, and then you could prove, you know, obviously through through the NFT that you own it, that you have, and there's certain there would be certain. Standards that you would need to, to meet in order to be uh, in to be included and to be within your within your rights to 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 call on the contract and you utilize it. But but yeah, it's a way it'd be a way to crowdsource a a social safety net. Just the way you can crowdsource research and scientific research, you could crowd crowdsource a food stamps program. You could crowdsource a unemployment insurance program. And it, I don't think we're that far away from thinking about it like that either.
0: I think you're absolutely right. And to speak on that point, I mean, w- th- with this being a, a technology of crypto, it, it ties in very well to the overall reason why crypto was created. And it was to be a more ethical money system. And NFTs are empowering that because they're, they're creating a baseline for us to be able to build that non-fungibility off of that non-fungibility that used to be a, a physical location or a physical item like uh, like gold. But I'd like to add a little bit to the point of in this NFT space, we also have the ability to completely change the e-commerce system that we we currently use and have. And I think that there's a whole aspect of NFTs that kind of flies over people's heads because they don't think about it. Because th- typically most people aren't thinking about like how wider e-commerce works or how double spending of a virtual item happens kind of on the daily. And a great example would be like, I'm, I'm real big into computers. And at the launch of this computer part called the RTX 3080, They basically sold out in under 30 seconds. It was absolutely insane. And the company had problems with double spending where they had sold more product than what they actually had. And so they had to go back and actually refund people and NFTs allows that non-fungibility allows for that just to not happen because each individual item will be represented by an NFT. And since there's a limited number, once it runs out, I mean, there is no purchasing more. So NFTs allows for in the e-commerce space to just completely eliminate double spend.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point. And actually something I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this, something I heard this weekend. um, I was at a convention in Wyoming for blockchain stuff. A Satoshi, which is the lowest, the smallest, increment of uh, Bitcoin, I believe 100 millionth of a Bitcoin. A Satoshi, which is earned when people mine right so a block is attached to a Satoshi and, and a certain amount and whatever that block standard if you mine it, you are rewarded in Satoshi's. But someone said a Satoshi is actually the first form of NFT because it's you get this one Satoshi for this one block like it's it is paired with that. And, to, you know, putting it together into, you know, get a hundred thousand or a hundred million of them and you have a Bitcoin, right? I don't know if you have the technical expertise to, to validate that, but I heard it from someone who, who is a developer and, and I do believe believe them on that. But I just think it's interesting that, let's take that as fact, you could now take these NFTs and one day group them together to create things of greater value or, you know, maybe funds or um, some kind of, it's just, yeah, it's 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 just it's funny that the smallest increment of this thing that was invented, oh, wow, how many years ago now? 11, 12? Is now taking shape in such a different form that is so much more useful than a Satoshi could ever be, right? You know, I'd have to think about it some more and maybe
2: talk to this guy because he could probably set me right. But I'm thinking that he's saying that the blocks are non-fungible because,
3: of is, course, they all yeah. have unique data,
2: right? mm mm-hmm. yep. But the Satoshis that are attached or reward for mining a block, those mm-hmm. aren't, no, you know, if you put one in a wallet, it's the same as any other. But so for I a moment, like, they yeah, are. blockchains, but for them, oh, because they're attached to the block. Yeah. But it's not permanent, right? It's just like, a temporary no, correct.
1: Thing. So it's a temporarily non-fungibility. So it's return's like a fungible. Yeah. I don't know if that really meets the standard. No, I agree. But I think it's like the technology clearly is still there. Like it's just in different, right. pu- like the puzzle piece is not been put together. Into, exactly. To it's like the image is there. You just got to connect the dots. Yeah. Yeah. Which is neat that it, you know, it, sure it took a few years to get there, but that's, it's just like a, a, a continuous evolution of, of mm-hmm. this technology in different ways being put together in different ways and and evolving and iterating on itself. It's, it's the first, so- the first step of the, of that selection. Like if, yeah. if, if you could think of it in an
2: evolutionary sense, there's mm-hmm. been a, a series of variations that all flowed out that you could see in the, the the roots of it in the initial iteration but then as it as it evolved it, it those characteristics uh became more pronounced and then it became this new this separate thing but it's really but, but the roots of but the foundation or the uh, some of the essential elements were already kind of present in an undeveloped way in in bitcoin itself yeah i think that's interesting
3: uh, if if satoshi's were fungible in the sense that you could track the block it was made to now you're comparing bitcoin blockchain the, the digital money more to us dollars or fiat currency where every dollar printed has a serial number you're all you're doing is really saying that that instead of being fungible it's non fungible that you can actually put a marker on where it was mined and minted and if you could do that well that that um, I would say that it creates kind of this Orwellian premise where it actually weakens the use of this as a worldwide money, right? Because now you could have jurisdictions state, well, any Bitcoin that comes from uh, serial numbers that we don't recognize, um, you, you can't you know, use mm-hmm. for our services.
1: Yeah, and I mean that—that that happened, right? People weren't accepting Bitcoin from China because it was unethically mined. Or it wasn't considerate of the environment, um, and and there's there's an argument there. I don't have a strong opinion, um, other than I don't know about that. Sure, uh, I'm not also not the biggest Bitcoin fan in the world, but um, that's that's certainly an interesting argument that. Kinda sounds a little xenophobic, uh, but at the same time, I, I can understand the implications of you know wanting to protect the environment and wanting to benefit the people who you know are using ethically mined Bitcoin. Uh, but at the same time, how do you know? You know, what I mean, it's all a hundred million of these things create one Bitcoin. A Bitcoin is obviously a very arbitrary amount, but you know, it could be half this miner, half this miner, and you just, not even that, like, you know, collection of all around the world. It would be so hard to have a, let's call it a pure Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Um, But I guess it's possible and people could do it.
2: It begs the question because I don't know how many U.S. mined Bitcoins are, you know, ethically pure either. Because you look at, you know, the the U.S. has, I mean, what I'm saying is that you could, if you're going to start, saying I don't want to accept Bitcoin that come from this region because of these ethical issues. It opens the door to people saying, well, what about this, that, and the other? Where you do accept it from these other regions, but they have also have ethical issues, whether it's environmental or human rights or prison state or fill in the blank, right? And I but I do agree that China's uniquely totalitarian, you know, so, but I don't know, I kind of share I kind of share your your skepticism at at how solid the reasoning is here, you know about their, about the reason why they don't accept those coins, but all in all, I'm all about social pressure, pressure to, to get to better outcomes. So if, if, in, if individuals acting on their own accord, you know, having cert, exercising their, their preferences, the way they want to, if that puts pressure on people in China or in other areas to do things that are better in the long run for, for all of us, then I'm all about that. So it's, I'm, I feel like could, I, I have two minds on this, on this uh, subject.
1: Well, great. Yeah, I, I think that's maybe a good place to uh, kind of wrap up this conversation. Again, we we touched on a whole lot uh, NFT communities. What, what is the value of an NFT? Uh, how is that value actually changing and then different in different uh, consensus or or how the NFT is programmed? It it can be totally different. These how these communities are really just kind of things we're used to, but are seen in a new way, right? And and it's the same with like what Lucas touched on the U S dollar with yes, sure. It's got uh, a barcode or zero code and it's technically non-fungible to that extent. Well, this is, I guess it's been staring us right in the face for years and no one's ever, well, the technology has not been there to be able to to create truly non-fungible assets that can also be audited by anyone. Cause I could, you know, I could fabricate the same U S dollar with the same barcode, right. Or take my Sharpie marker and change the one to a seven. Like it's, it, it's, kind, it's tamper-proof, right? And that has allowed a lot of social evolution uh, to, to occur in such a rapid period of time. And I don't know if Ryan or Jacob, you have any uh, closing thoughts, uh, but I really appreciate your time uh, because it's been invaluable.
0: Thank you. I uh, I'd just like to say as, as far as closing thoughts, uh, just keep an open mind in this space. There's, there's a lot that's being done there's a lot that's going to continue to be done. Just be thinking of where NFTs can add value to the real world that already exists and things that can't exist now because that technology hasn't been there. Yeah, well said, Jacob.
2: I always have a blast hearing you talk about NFTs and hearing your DeFi insights. Um, so thank you for coming and sharing, sharing
1: that with us. And I uh, look forward to hanging out with you guys next time. Yeah. Thank you guys so much, Jacob. Have a great day. Ryan, you as well. And Lucas, safe travels.
3: Thank you very much, guys. Good to see you. Good to listen to you. And uh, yeah, I had more to listen to this time anyway. So it worked out perfect.
1: Awesome. Hey, have a good one, guys. See you next week.
0: Adios. Later.